Welcome to today's episode, which will likely deal with some dark topics and sometimes sweary words, so listener discretion is always advised. For ad-free and bonus episodes, click in the link in the show notes for exclusive content. You can support the show at buymeacoffee.com or by giving me a rate, writing a review, or subscribing to future episodes. And with all my marketing blah 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 out of the way, on with the show. A Million Other Choices is a true crime podcast, and as such, we do discuss some dark topics that might be triggering for some. As you are a true crime listener, I support you in your curiosity. However, having lost a family member to homicide, my message is always to remember not just the victims, but the families and friends left behind, and also the officers, detectives, and prosecutors that work tirelessly for justice. There are links to make monetary donations in the show notes, but more importantly, if you enjoy the podcast, please tell your friends and press that fifth star on your listening platform to help me grow the show. I hope you enjoy the following episode. Hello and welcome to A Million Other Choices. I am your host, Kim. received this case suggestion from Janice, who is someone that I work with in my regular life that doesn't involve murder and death. We actually used to sit in adjoining cubicles, but we both got moved. Not because we talked about murder too much, but just reconfiguring around to the office, and I really do miss our gab sessions. But enough about us. She suggested this case because it happened around the corner from where she lived, and the case just really struck stuck with her. This is the murder of Hannah Leffler. The story really touches me because Hannah was born in 1998 and my daughter was born that same year. And and watching the amazing woman that my daughter has grown into and sort of all the milestones that she's reached so far that Hannah never got a chance to really makes me sad for her parents, Janet and Jeff. Now, Janet and Jeff, her parents, they divorced, um, I'm not sure what year, but it was very amicable and they became co-parents for Hannah. So she split her time between the two houses. Janet remarried Wade Anderson and Jeff married Lore, now it's, I think it's Lordana, um, giving Hannah three stepbrothers in total, Alex, Dylan, and Mitch. Hannah was one of those just very easy babies, and she grew into a really delightful and charming and very smart young lady. She was an honor student. And just here's her stepdad, Wade, talking about Hannah with CBC. Hannah was a wonderful 16-year-old girl. She, she didn't get into any sort of trouble. Uh, she listened uh, she was very helpful, very loving. She she is exactly the kind of 16-year-old daughter any mom or dad would want to have. The other thing that is very disturbing to me about Hannah's murder is the number of people that at the very least thought that she might be in danger and at the very worst knew that there was a plot brewing to kill her. Um, and they held on to that information without telling anyone that might have been able to help prevent this tragedy. Hannah was a very popular teen. She had a large group of friends. And one of her closest friends was a boy that is named in the court documents just as LM. So we'll call him Lance. Lance and Hannah were good friends and they hung out together quite a bit, usually at Hannah's mom's place. 
Lance didn't really have the best of childhood backgrounds. Uh, his parents, according to the court documents, would class, I would sort of classify them as pretty much absent. Uh, but he did have the support of his grandparents, and he was an okay student. He was working at Tim Hortons, where co-workers describe him as having a really good work ethic. His mom was actually often unemployed, so he was working at Tim's to basically help support the family. And because of that, he could only attend school about two or three times a week. Um, so he wasn't definitely wasn't an honor roll student that Hannah was, um, but he seemed to Janet to be like an okay kid. And Hannah was 14 in October of 2013, and Lance introduced Hannah to his friend, Skylar Prockner. And herein lies part of the issue. Lance was friends with Hannah, but he was also really good friends with Skylar. During the time between October 2013 and May 2014, Hannah and Skylar and Lance and his girlfriend, who we'll call Veronica, hung out together and all was pretty good between them. But by May of 2014, Hannah started to see some red flags with Skylar that bothered her about him. She started to see a very possessive and jealous side to Skylar that was changing her opinion about him. Now, I don't know that she had enough experience to be afraid of Skylar, but she definitely wanted the relationship to be over. And when Hannah broke things off with him, immediately there were issues that Skylar wasn't taking it very well. He started the usual barrage of pleading and angry text messages and, you know, the snap Twitter book, passive aggressive status updates, the whole gambit. And he would drive by her house and squeal the tires. Um, He continued to harass her at school, even though he actually dropped out of school soon after the breakup. And once he actually came right up to her front door with a hammer and proceeded to smash a gift that he had received from her. But Hannah always tried to see the best in people and she didn't pursue a restraining order or anything like that. However, Hannah's mom, Janet, did try reaching out to Skylar's mom and telling her if it didn't stop that she was going to call the police. But I'm not able to confirm how that conversation actually went. And things at one point were so bad that Skylar was actually hospitalized a couple of months after the breakup and put in psychiatric care. Uh, And of course, he's taking this time as well to vent and rage to his friends about the breakup, going between I can't live without her to I hate her so much. And Skylar, it turns out, had a really rough mental health background and it's not exactly the best of parenting situations. When he was only six, child and youth services actually became involved because one of his teachers was concerned because, quote, Skylar was talking about killing himself and his friends as well as telling his teacher on a couple of occasions that he wanted to be a serial killer when he grew up, end quote. Skylar's mom was actually informed of this and told the teacher, quote, If he wants to be a Chippendale dancer or serial killer, I will support my kid, end quote. So maybe not the best parenting happening for Skylar. On September 15th, 2014, so about four months after Hannah had dumped him, he called his dad from the garage of his house to tell him that he had everything set up to kill himself and had written suicide notes to him and to Hannah. And as a result of that, he was admitted to the adolescent psychiatric unit at the Regina Hospital, where he stayed until September 24th. But once he was discharged, he only attended one of the follow-up appointments set up for him with child and youth services and completely skipped his follow-up with his psychiatrist. 
On November 7th, 2014, Skylar's mum made a call to Child and Youth Services because Skylar was again not attending school and was being disrespectful and not following her rules. And so they made an appointment for her. Uh, for her, Skylar and his dad to come in three days later, but no one showed up to that appointment either. After his release from the hospital, Skylar never actually returned to school and was just really doing much of nothing with his time other than brooding about his breakup with Hannah. Lots of opportunities for someone to try and help him, but his parents just weren't really taking it all seriously, it would seem. Now, obviously, Skylar was blocked from Hannah's Facebook page, but he continued to creep her page through mutual friends posts. And lo and behold, what does he see in September of 2014, but pictures of Hannah with a new boyfriend that we'll call Scott. On September 21st, Skylar Facebook messaged his friend Sasha. Now, I won't bore you with all the dramatic details of it, but basically Skylar tells Sasha that thoughts of killing Hannah occupy his mind almost all the time. Now, Sasha, for whatever reason, rather than being concerned, just says that she'll happily kick her ass for him. And the conversation ends with this little tidbit. See, me becoming a murderer is the better idea, because that way, at least, I know it would be done. I would, but uh, I'm not going to get charged because your cunty ex can't take a beating. I'd like to hit her with my truck. That would be nice. So then in the fall of 2014, Skylar enlists the help of Lance, Lance's brother Trevor and Tavon, some of whom are real names and some are made up. And they come with a come up with a plan that they call Project Zombify, in which Lance would try to lure Hannah's new boyfriend Scott to behind the elementary school, referred to as the t- attack zone. And then Skylar, Tavon, and Trevor would proceed to beat him up or possibly go so far as to kill him. Skylar even went so far as to buy masks for him and his friends to wear, hammered a bunch of nails into his baseball bat to make a weapon, and covered his shoes with duct tape to make sure that he wouldn't leave footprints, and put the masks, some sunglasses, hats, into a backpack to be ready. And they were going to do it on Halloween, A day for me of Reese's Peanut Butter Cups and Twizzlers, but for Skylar, a day for murder. He made it known with this group of friends that Hannah wasn't the target, but that she might have to be collateral damage if she tried to intervene. Skylar considered knocking her out with chloroform, but as Casey Anthony discovered in her Google searches, it isn't that easy to find and figured maybe some paint thinner would have to do the trick instead. As luck would have it for Scott, Hannah and him broke up near the end of October, and Project Zombify didn't go forth. But Skylar did start to tell his friends that he wanted to cut the brake lines on Hannah's car. But fortunately, no one did that for him. So with Scott now out of the way, Skylar started up again asking, or rather demanding, that Hannah and him get back together but she was a smart girl and was having none of it and had moved on gracefully and wasn't going to get back with him. At this point, he is still venting to Lance, who you will remember was Hannah's friend, but they had started to drift apart, likely a result of Skylar and his demands for loyalty. 
And throughout the rest of 2014, Skylar continued to stalk Hannah, creating a fake Facebook account to keep tabs on her and enlisting the help of his friends. He requested that Tavon take the same driver's ed class that she was taking to report back to Skylar on Hannah, and Lance was told to start being Hannah's friend again so that he could keep tabs on her as well. Lance was happy to oblige, and one time him and Veronica actually went to Hannah's place to watch movies and play video games with Hannah. So I just want to pause here so that you can digest just a few of the names of people that knew that at the very least Skylar was becoming unhinged and talked incessantly about killing or hurting Hannah or boys that she was connected with. Lance, who was actually once friends with Hannah, Veronica, Tavon, Trevor, and Sasha. And there's no way at this point, with the level of stalking and aggressive behavior that Skylar was displaying, that they can all claim that they thought that he was just joking or blowing off steam. On January 12, 2015, Skylar opened his fake Facebook account and saw some pictures of Hannah looking happy and carefree with a new boyfriend. After all, Hannah had moved on and was a pretty and popular girl. Skylar did not feel the same way and became absolutely enraged in that moment, 1 a.m. to be exact, and possibly the worst time for making life choices. He made the decision that Hannah had to die and he was going to kill her. So the next morning, it didn't take a lot of convincing for Skylar to enlist the help of Lance, and he texted Lance the following exchange. I just need to tell her this and nothing else, so remember it. I need to talk to you about important things after school. It won't take long. Just leave your door unlocked. I'll show up a few minutes after you. Remember that. Who am I telling? There's only one girl. Halloween happens today. Why? Don't question it. You aren't doing anything. Just tell her that and go home. What's Trevor's cell number? I have no clue. That's fine. I'm sure I can do this alone unless you want to come. If you have work, I can take you there. This will only take 10 minutes max. If you want to do it, I'll fill you in more when I come and get you. You know I'm in. I'll tell her in person today. Chances are you'll be sitting in the truck making sure no one shows up within those few minutes, but I'm going to need you if her boyfriend comes with her when you do. Hi, this is Ross, the host of Smells Like Humans, a show about interesting and quirky human behavior. We bring humor, empathy, and warmth to topics such as relationships, dating, work, self-compassion, weddings, phobias, aging parents, travel mishaps, death, and many more. Ever wonder what happens at a cuddle party? We talk about it. Free-range kids in restaurants? We've got some thoughts. Bedtime stories for adults? We're on it. Light, fun, unscripted conversation and personal stories. Please join us by clicking the link in the show notes. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So, clearly Lance knew that Skylar was planning to do something dark when he picked them up when he picked him up from school that day at 3 p.m. When he got into the truck, Lance asked what the plan was. He said, quote, we still doing it? In the truck, Skylar had knives, latex gloves, a change of jeans, and a camouflage jacket, as well as balaclava. So it was clear to anyone who knew Skylar, based on his venting about Hannah and his supplies, that something really bad was going to go down. So let's not buy any argument later that this Lance character didn't know what was about to happen. In fact, in his own testimony on cross-examination, he said this. You wanted to be a part of what was going to happen, correct? Yes, I did. Okay, and you were looking forward to it. You can say that, I was, yes. I just want to make it clear, you were looking forward to murdering your friend. I was, yes. So you also told Miss Christoffel, this is halfway through the paragraph, reports he knows he does not know why he got out other than being a follower. We talked about that a little bit before. Do you remember? Yes. Okay, so now we know that you got out contrary to what your alpha male friend wanted you to do, right? Yes. You made the decision on your own to go in with him. I did. To help him kill his ex-girlfriend. Yes. So you weren't following him in there like a puppy dog. You were in it with him, correct? That's fair to say yes. Not cool, Lance. Very not cool. Lance had actually made plans the day before with his girlfriend Veronica to celebrate their six-month anniversary. A very teenage thing to do. But he called their plans off to help Skylar. They waited in the truck parked near Hannah's house for her to arrive home from school, both slumping down in the seats so as not to be seen. When they saw Hannah arriving home around 3.30 and going in the side door off the kitchen, Skylar told Lance to stay in the truck and be a lookout, but Lance insisted on coming with him. Both Lance and Skylar were carrying a knife with them. Skylar entered in the unlocked side door with Lance behind him. Seconds upon entering, Hannah spotted Skylar and screamed and immediately started running towards her parents' bedroom, hoping to get to a phone or at least a door that she could lock. Only she tripped on her way into the doorway of the bedroom and Skylar jumped on her and began to rapidly stab her, repeatedly. Lance entered the bedroom behind Skylar and there are debates about to which degree he participated in Hannah's murder. When Hannah stopped moving, they left the room grabbing Hannah's cell phone on the way out and they both got into Skylar's dad's truck and drove to Veronica's house. During the stabbing, Skylar had cut his left hand and it needed stitches. Skylar and Lance got to Veronica's about 3.45 and she wasn't home from school yet. So they waited and when Veronica got home at 4, she was surprised to see both of them waiting outside of her house. Since their plans had been cancelled and the plans that they did have did not include Skylar. She later testified that Lance was fidgety, jumpy and aggravated. Skylar made up some story about hurting his hand while hunting. Kind of an unlikely story seeing that it was still actively bleeding and it was an odd time of day for hunting. Veronica tried to help with bandaging Skylar's hand but it was pretty clear that it needed stitches so she called her mom to leave work and come home and take them to the ER. 
At some point, Skylar whispered to Lance to get rid of the phone by smashing it. And Skylar told the same hunting story to the ER nurse. Skylar's dad came to the hospital with Skylar's younger brother in tow, but he said that he had some errands to do and wanted Skylar to take his brother with him. So his dad dropped the two of them off at his truck, which he had left at Veronica's house, and him and his brother picked Lance back up, and the three of them went to McDonald's. They then drove to an alley near the McDonald's, and Skylar told Lance to throw the knife that had been used and Hannah's cell phone case in the dumpster but he changed his mind about that seconds after the items had landed in the dumpster and he ordered Lance to get them back. Fortunately, or unfortunately, depending on what side you're on, he was only able to find the knife and the cell phone case was lost in a heap of discarded food and paper. Skylar then drove Lance back home, dropping him off, and took his brother to visit their mum for a bit. Then they decided to go back to their dad's place, and on the way, Skylar casually told his brother about what he and Lance had done that afternoon even imitating the sounds that Hannah had made while dying for his benefit. They stopped at an abandoned farmyard and tossed the knife that Lance had retrieved from the dumpster earlier. Later that night, back at Veronica's, Lance went back to her house and they went to her bedroom to talk. Lance confessed to Veronica about what they had done that day. He asked her if she remembered the conversation about Halloween, otherwise known as Project Zombify. He told her that him and Skylar had gone to Hannah's and Skylar had stabbed Hannah to death. He said that Hannah had let Lance into the house and that Skylar had snuck in behind him and put a sweater over her face before stabbing her. And that Hannah had tried to call 911 but Skylar had taken her phone. Veronica would only admit what she had learned from Lance on the second day of the trial. In her initial statement, she denied knowing anything about the murder. Meanwhile, that day, Hannah's dad arrived home from work and felt immediately that something was wrong. The house just felt off somehow. Too quiet, maybe. He found Hannah at the foot of their bed in the master bedroom, crumpled on the floor and stained head to toe in blood. Despite his grief, shock and pain, which I think none of us can fully grasp, he knew Skylar had been involved. Unfortunately, Hannah's parents would learn by the medical examiner that Hannah had not died quickly. She suffered a number of stab wounds to her upper body, including defensive slashes on her right forearm, on her hands and her wrists. She also had been stabbed in the neck and in her mouth. The medical examiner found that her cause of death had been the stab wound to the head that nearly severed her spinal cord. It wasn't too hard for investigators to put the pieces of the puzzle together and arrest both Skylar and Lance and charge Skylar with first-degree murder and Lance with second. They had text messages and enough physical evidence to bury both of them. In January 2015, Skylar pled guilty. Justice Jennifer Pritchard decided that despite the fact that Skylar was only 16 at the time of the murder, he would be sentenced as an adult due to the seriousness and detailed planning of the crime. Hannah's Uncle Barry wrote, quote, Hannah did nothing to deserve this, and there is no way I will ever be able to accept this tragedy. Stepmom Lore said, Some days it seems like a very, very bad dream that will hopefully end as soon as we wake up. Other days, nothing about losing our sweet Hannah seems real because we're too numb to think, and we won't allow our minds to go there. And there are times when the pain is so raw and so real that we don't think we can go on for another minute. 
Janet, Hannah's Hannah's mom, said, I hope to see my daughter again. I hope to hold her again. And I hope to be able to say how sorry I am for not being able to protect her. Then turned to 19-year-old Skylar and said, But wherever she is, you won't be going there. And I don't believe you have the capacity to appreciate what you've done or how you've taken away such a precious thing. Justice Pritchard said in her decision that, quote, although Schuyler has made some statements indicating remorse, they are undermined by other pervasive evidence to the contrary. In particular, he clearly does not appreciate how his actions have caused unimaginable suffering for Hannah's mother. As reported at page 16 of the PSR, Schuyler, quote, does not believe the mother is hurting too badly as she believes she has been drinking and partying, end quote. Obviously, Objectively, this is an extraordinarily indifferent and insensitive thing for Skylar to have said. Sadly, he does not appear to understand it. Skylar was sentenced, he was 19 at the time, he was sentenced on July 5th to life imprisonment with a 10-year parole and eligibility period. The Crown Prosecutor Chris White said of the decision, All along, Mr. Prockner hadn't expressed any remorse that I saw in my dealings with this case. There is a difference between remorse and regret. I fully believe Mr. Prockner regrets what he did, not because of what he did, but because of the situation he put himself in by doing it. Now, despite pleading guilty, Skyler wasn't as ready to accept the punishment imposed, and he tried to appeal, uh, but that was squashed. In February 2017, Lance also pleaded guilty but was sentenced as a youth. During his hearing, he admitted that he had told so many versions of his story that he had mixed up the truth with his lies. Um, He admitted in court that he knew exactly what was going down, including with Project Zombify. His initial statements that he had tried to talk him out of the murder were lies. Quote, I wanted to get her back for causing him months of anguish and pain, end quote. Uh, he said that he had actually watched the murder go down, but that he was frozen in fear and hadn't been able to move. He refused to look at pictures or photos that the Crown had tried to show him of Hannah's body. And they also tried to show him a selfie that Lance and Skyler had taken only uh, about an hour and a half after murdering Hannah. He had actually gone to school the next day on the guise of consoling Hannah's friends about her death, but then later that same day texted his brother bragging about how about Hannah being dead. He um, he actually even admitted that he had faked a suicide attempt while in custody to get transferred to another facility, and that he didn't think about the consequences of his actions and didn't think that he would they would ever get caught. Then, in a surprise statement, admitted to the court that at the time of the murder he had acted in fact, had wished Hannah dead. He addressed Hannah's parents and said, I am sorry for my actions. Uh, in a psych report done by Dr. Damot Heron, he said of Lance that he was, quote, upset how the case against him was unfairly built and how, although he is charged with second-degree murder, the Crown is going for the same sentence as, pri- as the primary offender, which he considers as an unfair process. Lance stated that he was trying to support his friend who was grieving from the loss of the relationship with the victim uh, through some of his friend's ideas, but he did not think that it would lead to the outcome of a loss of life. In victim impact statements, Hannah's dad, Jeff, said, quote, 
There are no words in the English language to describe the shock, pain, anger, and despair that we felt that day and still feel every day of our lives. We can't stop thinking about her on that day, the physical pain she endured being stabbed repeatedly, and the horror she went through in her last moments on earth, alone with no one to help her or defend her against those two monsters. The pain is excruciating. The fact that she has gone is devastating to us and our entire family, and also to anyone who has had the pleasure of knowing Hannah in her 16 years of life. Wade, Hannah's stepdad, said, The heartbreak is indescribable. We spent the last two and a half years in shock trying to grasp what's happened. To face Hannah's death is one thing, but to have to live with thoughts of the violence associated with it are ever-present and unbearable. I'm unable to stop thinking about how terrifying her last moments must have been. The pain, the confusion, terror, shock from being stabbed, gasping for air with no one there for her, no one to comfort her, no one to reassure her, no one to hold her. She died alone and scared. And Janet Leffler, Hannah's mom, said, It's difficult to put into words the gravity of the loss we have suffered. Hannah was my only child and was everything I'd hoped she would be. She was sensible, smart, funny, creative, determined, strong, and talented. She was the light of my life and felt nothing but absolute pride whenever I spoke of her. This path I've had to walk the last two and a half years has been a hard one, but I've learned a lot and feel so grateful I got to be the mother of such an amazing young woman that had all the potential in the world. Lance, whatever his real name is, was given a seven-year sentence under the Youth Criminal Justice Act, which is the max that he could have received, and has to serve at least four of those incarcerated. And that was the senseless and could have very much been prevented murder of sweet, smart, and funny Hannah Leffler. Thank you to Janice again for the case suggestion. It was quite a journey researching this case you break up safely, guys. It's it's okay to walk away and never engage with that person again. And it's okay to ask for help when you feel dicey about someone. I just can't get over the number of people that knew that Hannah was in danger and never said anything until after she was killed. And the fact that Lance was her friend. Hannah's parents did keep the house that Hannah was killed in, but they never slept in the master bedroom again. They actually moved their sleeping quarters downstairs. They said that they stayed because it was Hannah's home and she had loved it there and they just couldn't bear to leave um, despite not wanting those specific reminders of her death. Uh, Hannah was cremated and Janet and Jeff share her ashes between the two homes. I think I will be back again next week. I don't have any specific plans to be elsewhere. So come again on Monday and I will likely be here with another case. Thank you so much for listening.